welcome to Masala History Podcast. This is Deepthi. This is Manami. And today we're going to talk about a very colorful character from the Mughal Empire. Very colorful, yes. The Emperor Jahangir. And we have been working on the spot for quite a while. We have about wanted to About 2 months. Yeah, almost, right? Yeah, it's just been about two months. Yeah, but we've been floating about the idea of doing a pod on Jahangir because he's so funny and fantastic to read. So today we are going to do um, not a book review, but we're going to talk about Jahangir as we've learned about him from his own autobiography, his uh, personality, yes. his quirks. He's a he sounds like he was a very quirky man. Yeah, and his absolute fanboying on his dad. Oh yes. And so we're going to talk about all that uh, in the podcast today. Um, but before that, we just wanted to give a quick shout out to our pod. Um, this is our little baby, very new and um, still in its infancy. Yes. Uh, we just got really good mics. So hopefully like our quality of the pod will improve. Good to see you. Thank you. Uh, and and um, uh, we are available um, on iTunes right now and on our website and on Blubbery. And our website is www.masalahistory.com. Also, it's not Blubbery. It's called Blueberry, but without the E. Um, so I How do you even pronounce that? It's, it's, it's apparently Blueberry. Okay. But there's no... Blue, it's not blueberry, it's blueberry. Blueberry. Yeah. Okay. The E's are missing from the blueberry. Okay. Okay. Well, anyway, um, what did you do before getting here? So, you know, so the semester is finally winding down. Yay! Yay! So, you know, first time teaching, last week of classes, <gasps> bittersweet moment for me, probably sweet for the, for, for the students. <laughs> it is always sweet for the students. And, you yeah. know, Deepti's done this, you've done this way more than I have. So, mm, you yeah. know, last week of classes is always a little... Yeah, uh, my, my classes get over only next week. So I still have, it's, it started later than yours. So right, it takes a right. while for mine to get over. And But yours are like three-hour marathon classes. I don't yeah. know if I could do those. I, I love those. It's really? just one week and done. But like the kids are... I shouldn't say kids. The students are like, you know, really <laughs> awesome. They sound like they're my kids. <laughs> it's, it's definitely you not just my have kids. one very adorable yeah, yeah. kid. No, 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 not multiple. Um, but like they are uh, doing well and like, you know, they're sending me papers and stuff. So Wow. They yeah. want you to read drafts and stuff. Yes. Very proactive yeah. students. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, um, so then let's now... Without... Go back in time. Yes. To Jahangir. Yes. Um, Better known as Jahangir, was named Prince Salim. Very cute nickname. I, I, I wonder who gave him that nickname. Akbar. Sheku Baba. Really? Mm-hmm. It was Akbar? Oh, I think so. okay. Well, so, you know, Akbar's, well, Sheku Baba's very cute nickname. Uh, just some basic details, historical facts about Jahangir. Was born on 31st August 1569 to Akbar, obviously, duh, and Maryam, mm-hmm. Z- <laughs> Maryam Zamani. His reigning period starts from 1605 to 1627. He starts he starts his uh, empire pretty late at the age of 36 mm-hmm. compared to Akbar yeah. who you know su- succeeds the throne at the age of 14. Um, his his successor is Shah Jahan, one of his sons, his third son, I believe. Yeah. Yes, his third son. Uh, Jahangir dies in Kashmir in 1627, mm-hmm. um, and his tomb is in modern-day Lahore in Pakistan. And, uh, you know, out of all of his wives, and looks like he's been married multiple times. 
all of them all of them all of them right but he doesn't yeah i mean and his most famous wife obviously mehru nissa better known as noor jahan Mm -hmm. um and we'll talk a little bit about noor jahan today but um we are having another podcast about noor jahan and maybe about more mughal mughal women in january um, in january okay that should be interesting yeah so um so today we what we're going to do is we're going to really get an idea of who jahangir was from um his um autobiography which is called the tuzuk e jahangiri uh, we're going to call it jahangiri from now on mm-hmm. um it was actually translated um by many people over the course of the 19th and early 20th century ma- mainly by british orientalists uh the version that we have is the one that was translated by alexander rogers and edited by henry beveridge in 1909 and published by the royal asiatic society who we both agree and we agree this is probably the best version of the translation yeah because beveridge spent a bunch of time uh going through the different volumes of the manuscript the persian manuscript that jahangir had written that is available so he he consulted two volumes at the india india office library which is now part of the british library collections then he looked at pr- some special collections with some private collectors and then he collated the information oh so this is not just his a literal translation of his of jahangir's autobiography it's also more information yeah. that beveridge has added to it yes okay okay wow so so uh, the translation itself is by rogers but mm-hmm. like uh, the footnotes especially where corrections are um, mm-hmm. shown that is all beveridge's uh looking at especially the work of david price another translator um who did that translation in the 1880s or 1890s okay um so um very this, proactive yeah, yeah yeah so so i i do think this is the best version to get started on uh tuzuki jahangiri is also known as the jahangir nama um what happened is jahangir actually wrote about um his life um as king from the time he um became king to the 19th year of his reign but essentially stopped writing it himself at the 17th year of his and reign and this is an interesting anecdote why did he stop writing i think it's because <laughs> he couldn't write anymore because he was so addicted to alcohol and drugs and opium yeah so so you know his hands started shivering maybe i mean this is conjecture and i i haven't read about it yet but some of it is backed up by yeah no but like if you read this particular autobiography <laughs> and we are here are only looking at um the first 12 years of his reign in volume 1 which right. is the one that we've read and we are going to discuss today right. um it's that it's I mean he is happy with us we know so <laughs> so like uh, it, it, it that's what he's doing and I really believe that's why he stopped writing right because um, his hands would be shaking and yeah. right and the first 12 years of his reign he's clearly not very addicted to opium or what? no no he's drinking he's drinking yes yes um i just read somewhere um it might be actually parvati sharma's like a like a review of parvati sharma's book which i haven't read yet but like um the new book on jahangir um has come out written by parvati sharma and it's like a narrative uh, non fiction of the emperor's life and um it says in that review that uh, jahangir probably st- started controlling his drinking because he was scared that akbar will transfer the empire to his son 
Khusru. Khurram. 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 Um, Shah Jahan. Right. Future Shah Jahan. Right. And so that is why he started controlling his drinking. Oh. After having drunk limitlessly for a long time. Oh. So he was more addicted to power than to drinking. Yes. That. Okay. But that all changes. Yes. And we'll right. talk more about that in a bit. Right. Um, I want to also s- just quote the, um, the beverage, the orientalist who sort of works with this document and um he he says there are n- not enough emperors that you'll find in the west who can write like the mughal emperors True. there is a certain kind of poesis like a poetry in um the writings of whether it be from akbarnama or from tuzuki jahangiri that you know is really effusive mm-hmm. um it is also true of like maybe the autobiographies of shah tamasp mm-hmm. from iran and so um there is high praise coming from the orientalists saying that the memoirs of babur and jahangir especially are very human and full of like you know um uh it, it has anecdotes there is yeah, flowery language yeah. i mean you know and this is something you and i both agreed on is when you're reading it and when he's describing something whether it's an object whether it's a scenery it's a very lively description you can almo- almost imagine Jahangir walking through this garden as he's as he's describing the flowers and the fruits that he sees right yeah yeah, yeah it's very evocative um right and it also it shows it, they also exhibit a fullness to life true true um true he clearly led a very full oh, life yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so he clear, he had an incredibly fulfilling pleasurable life right um so that's sort of our introduction into Tuzuki Jahangiri volume 1 that we will be discussing today um and we will be looking at different aspects of Jahangir and one of this uh, one of the aspects would be absolutely about his relationship with his father mm-hmm. um that he uh, as he mentions it in his autobiography we are also going to talk about his character um both in terms of being an being a king a ruler and being an effective administrator but also as a person how was he as a person and so we're going to explore that and particularly talk about mangoes <laughs> uh, quite a bit that should pique the interest yes of all south asians exactly. everywhere exactly yeah, we agree with jahangir on this <laughs> right and uh, um and then we will talk a little bit about noor jahan his favorite wife right right So now the first thing that I wanted to you know we wanted to start talking about and this is something that will stand out to anyone who even reads the first 20 pages of Jahangiri when he starts to talk about Akbar. Now every time he mentions his father, every time the every time he mentions Akbar's name, he always prefaces it by saying revered father, mm-hmm. right? Whether he's talking about him being on the throne, whether he's talking about Akbar's success on the throne and I love how you say it it's like jahangir has a fanboy moment oh yeah all the time oh, yeah. with akbar right yeah 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 <laughs> he just like you know i mean um every time he does any you know he carries out 
um, any policies, implementing any policies in the empire. And this is one of those quotes that, you know, we found from the text. And in quotes, it's he's he's talking about his father and he says, the good qualities of my revered father are beyond the limit of approval and the bounds of praise, mm-hmm. end quote. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you say, that you can't have a bigger fan of Akbar than Jahangir, right, by the sound of it? Yeah, no, I'm I'm sure the other kids that uh, Akbar bore also was like equally like, you know, effusive in their praise because <laughs> right. they wanted the throne. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> but this is post-Akbar's death. Right. And um, there seems to be, and of course, this was distributed by Jahangir. So obviously he meant his autobiography to be read by others in his empire True. and particularly who were employed by him True. and who were close to Akbar as well as to Jahangir. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Um, but I do really feel like, you know, he is really in awe of his father. Mm-hmm. He literally seems to be like feeling like he's living in his father's shadow. Right. Uh, in right. many ways. Almost like he's living in reflected glory, right? Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. it's like, it's like Amitabh Bachchan and Abhishek Bachchan. <laughs> 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 it's a little that's bit. a really good comparison yeah like yeah. you know I mean Abhishek Bachchan is great I love Abhishek Bachchan yeah, but, he, but he, like for the world he'll he's never not be Amitabh Bachchan right, right. it's a problem <laughs> right <laughs> so Jahangir is the Abhishek Bachchan of the Mughal world wow okay maybe we should call that our title for the pod <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> Jahangir, the, the, the Abhishek, Abhishek Bachchan of the 17th century. There yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, you see him having these fanboy moments, mm-hmm. uh, even, you know, even in his day-to-day running of the empire. And again, this quote stands out to me where, you know, Jahangir has this moment of crisis, uh, you know, where he doesn't know he has, you know, there has been this character, Aziz Khan, who has probably betrayed Jahangir, right? And so Jahangir is confused is 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 confused and he doesn't know what to how to punish Aziz mm-hmm. Khan and right? And so what does uh, what does he say about it? Um he actually says um this is a quote saying um in his dream the king um Akbar came and said Baba forgive my my the fault of Aziz Khan who is the Khan Asim. I have no idea what that means. Well, Aziz Khan clearly pissed Jahangir off. Yeah. But then but Akbar then comes in Jahangir. Baba. <laughs> forgive him. Yes. And, and Jahangir says, okay. And he actually forgives forgives Aziz right. Khan. Right. <laughs> there is um, another bit where he he is talking about um, Akbar specifically at the beginning of the autobiography. And he talks about Akbar um, abstain, abstaining from... Um, meat and um, liquor Um, he never drank and he stopped eating meat on certain days and there there is this place where he actually uh, Jahangir says about Akbar um, he had no rival in shooting with a gun and with the one that he with with which he killed Jitmal which was Jitmal was the name given to an animal and which was called Sangram the gun was called Sangram wow he killed some 3,000 or 4,000 birds and bees. Wow. Yeah. Birds and bees. Birds and bees. Oh, okay. And so um, 
he is in awe and and to think about it and we'll talk a little bit about jahangir's own experience with hunting <laughs> but like at every moment in 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 this book you can see him looking back always referencing back to akbar's life and akbar's own um administrative tendencies his character his um his uh, advice to jahangir right. um at times and he keeps referring back to his father right um, he so he constantly kind of compares him himself it would you say compare i don't uh, right i, I don't I know. don't know if it's comparison like right. you know i don't know if it is actually um comparing okay. himself but he certainly is in awe oh, right you know it's it's like oh my father right again right. goes back to the word that you use fanboy yeah it's, <laughs> right. it's a fanboying on his father <laughs> right right um so, so again something else um that we read and we noticed in jahangir nama and we've talked about this is his benevolence right his gift giving which is called the uh, khillat right okay so benev- really really benevolent giving and receiving and okay receiving right and a very generous king yeah know? yeah very generous to his uh, courtiers and his officials and people that he knows or come to know mm-hmm. right so i mean again you know there are so many examples in the book and you know this is one of those uh, quotes that i found which just shows his generosity right so one of so he gives this to one of his most faithful officials he gives this guy like 3 rubies 103 pearls another 100 rubies two jewel daggers uh you know adorned with rubies and pearls a jeweled water jar a jeweled sword mm. a quiver bound with velvet and a diamond ring and then he says it himself altogether the value of about 100000 rupees in addition to jewels and jewel things 100000 rupees in the 17th century yeah and that's just one time for one person <laughs> that person probably got you know more gifts <laughs> over you, yeah over the course, course of, of time. time right and he did this and but the thing to note here is that this is not just giving right, right. this is um this is a form of administration where mm. it is through this kind of gift giving that the hierarchy within the empire is maintained right Whenever, it's about rewarding loyalty it was about reward, rewarding loyalty but it's right. also about payment so mm. when he is giving something it is also a kind of a salary okay. it is also when you give like a robe of honor mm-hmm. like you know um uh, uh, the the khilat right um it is physically embodying the person the gift is being given to mm-hmm. with the body of the king so so it's part mm-hmm. of his body so often the robes that are given are the robes that jahangir or the any emperor mm-hmm. always wears mm-hmm. and then that is actually given to the receiver mm-hmm. and in that way you're saying come you're bound to me oh which is something we have also seen in hindi movies right when you know where they take like the ring off their finger yeah, yeah. and and you know give it to gift it to the yeah, other yeah, person yeah. oh so that's really interesting so it is like connection. Em- yeah it's like an embodied connection between right. the giver and the receiver right and um the 100000 rupees also is a mark of the fact that the king can actually afford it okay and b shows if, his wealth 
shows his wealth and then also that you know he is so generous so if if someone gives him a ruby worth 25000 rupees right. as a gift right. then jahangir has to give them something worth 125000 rupees for example to say that he is the emperor so as an emperor right you have ha- to outdo outdo okay the gifts that you receive right. so the gift giving has to be seen within that context mm-hmm. where it's part of his administration process the mm-hmm. part it is also about um, reenacting the hierarchy of the land mm-hmm. um and also how his provinces get divided so you know sometimes along with these gifts he'd give horses and men which are um which are essentially increasing your rank if you right. get these many horses and these many men that means you're at this rank oh so okay so it's all strat- it's all okay it's stratified so yeah. if you get 100 horses yeah. your position is over, is yeah. in this in the hierarchical order yeah right? so shah jahan actually um starts off in kabul when he was about uh, when he was a teenager maybe mm-hmm. about 16 mm-hmm. with 10000 men wow. which is one level below the emperor so he uh, is already designated as the right. prince right. regent right. by the show of army right. that he gets right so the ranks are maintained through these gift giving which mm-hmm. includes men and horses right. and elephants and also it's not just jewels horses and elephants right it's also mansabs and yeah. throughout jahangirinama you hear him saying okay i gave this guy 100 mansabs mm-hmm. i took 30 mansabs away from him yeah. because i wasn't i was not pleased with his services yeah. right yeah. so it's so it's also a way of uh, performance review right of right. his uh, officials oh that's really interesting yeah. looking at it as a modern day performance review yeah. right yeah. right <laughs> uh, except he doesn't land and jewels right um <laughs> as toward gordon who mm-hmm. is one of uh, my favorite scholars he um has a book called robes of honor khilat in pre colonial and colonial india this was published in 2003 and this is a great book if anyone's interested in this idea of gift giving mm-hmm. as a me- mechanism of administration and mm-hmm. diplomacy mm-hmm. and of uh, maintaining power and hierarchy mm-hmm. and so it's a great book to actually read and he talks a lot about this within the mughal conte- uh, mm-hmm. context mm-hmm. so i mean in connection to gift giving and khilat another thing that you know is very obvious from the reading of Jahangirnama is that his generosity also extended to his subjects mm-hmm. to the actual people of the empire yeah. and the kingdom right so you know when when it, you know he almost takes on this role this protectorate role which mm-hmm. extends not just to his officials and administrators but to everyone in the empire mm-hmm. so you know again quoting uh, from Jahangirnama and I quote he says and you know talking about a particular crisis that hit the empire he says in order to avert the bad omen i had myself weighed against gold silver cloth and grain and gave away in arms all kinds of animals such as elephants horses etress uh, sorry etc to the cost all of which was 15000 rupees and quote to all of his subjects this again shows the generous spirit which i think you know is evident in most of the mughal emperors mm-hmm. right in some way or the other because that gave them legitimacy that legitimized their sovereignty mm-hmm. as well right yeah so um so that's one part of his administration strategy and this is not invented by jahangir right. like you know right. uh, uh, you see um pre-colonial kings as well as um mughal emperor like akbar doing the same things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so um 
uh, what what Jahangir is doing is part of a larger strategy of administering this large mass of land with like you know millions of people it is one of the biggest land mass at that time mm-hmm. being governed by a single ruler right and so for him this is a part, very important part of who he is so in in tuzuki jahangiri mm-hmm. you see so many mentions right <laughs> no <laughs> i know <laughs> we just got so and we actually tried to keep track of who he was giving what but it, with, i gave up right because in every page it just kept changing right and yeah. and the first question is where is he getting all this money from first well obviously i mean he's one of the richest emperors of the world at this point right. but it's also you, there's so much gift giving and exchanging and is this a prevalent practice would you say all over india at this point uh, yes right. yes it right. would be i mean at least in my dissertation i see it uh, happening in the south so right. uh, definitely a part of not just india but also central asian right. um uh kingly practices right. and so um along with this though i would say that he was an effective administrator right. because he uh, he was very moderate with taxation he mm-hmm. in fact t- took away a lot of these um taxes that was already imposed on people mm-hmm. he um also was effective at um making sure that you know when things like plagues mm-hmm. uh, he mentions that there was a plague hit right. and then you know he would send his own doctors or physicians to the parts to figure out why the plague happened mm-hmm. and so and uh, set up free hospitals yes and right. uh, caravanserais like right. you know so that people don't get robbed and right. you know places to live and then um, he would institute these hospitals to give free uh, medical care mm-hmm. and so i was thinking about like you know because we are in the us and obama care a thing you know i was like oh my god he already instituted free medicare for all <laughs> did shah jahan do away with it no no he Just, was he okay. followed i think he did follow through with everything okay. jahangir did okay. um so basically like he was an effective administrator mm-hmm. uh, no doubt about it does he live up to his father that's a ha- abhishek bachchan abhishek bachchan issue <laughs> can he <laughs> ever live up to amitabh bachchan oh. i mean probably not i mean he ca- he comes on the throne when he's 36 yeah and right? amitabh has been sitting there and warming that throne for for like you know the last what 50 years <laughs> yes and so <laughs> it's impossible to right. almost live up to his father but he is an effective administrator what he how he really stands apart mm-hmm. is when we think about him as a character right the his writing shows him so much more colorful mm-hmm. like where akbar's greatness is as a politician as right. a person who is like philosophical and right. wants to know about theology right. and right. is inventing religions right. and like din ilahi and like right. you know right. talking to different kinds of priests right. to figure out right. what the existence on earth means and mm-hmm. all that mm-hmm. jahangir is like oh i love mangoes <laughs> I eat 150 cherries a day. <laughs> I like wine, but you shouldn't drink wine because right. wine is bad for you. Right. <laughs> so so Jahangirnama gives you a a look into the man. Yeah. You know, the man with all his faults right. and fancies. Right, right. So, you know, I mean, his generosity doesn't just extend to giving alms, right? His generosity also extends in quirky things. 
um, you know, quirky things like, you know, protecting his animals. And this is one of those, again, those really entertaining quotes. Oh, and, I love this one. Right. And, you know, again, I quote, he says, so he observes royal elephants shivering in the winter when they're spraying uh -huh. themselves with cold uh -huh. water, right? And he says, I observed this, and so I ordered that the water should be heated to the temperature of lukewarm milk. Mm -hmm. And he adds, this was entirely my own idea. Nobody had ever thought of it before, end quote. And yeah. he's like giving himself a pat on the yeah, thing. Like, you know, the elephants were cold. So, you know, <laughs> heat the water up, man. <laughs> right. and, and, and there are many instances of this happening. Right. Um, so he also was ve very good with clamping down uh, with law and order situations. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But even there, like, you know, you can see like, you know, the, the generosity sort of take over so there is this instance uh, that he mentions in um, Jahangiri uh -huh. where he says um, you know there were a group of um, uh, what robbers. do you call them? Robbers. Right. Thieves. Um, yeah. Thieves. Yeah. You mm. know, who went and stole from a police office or mm -hmm. like, you know, from a treasury in the, in the Kotwali <laughs> and, <laughs> and they get, <laughs> yeah, they get caught and the leader was brought to him and he said, put everyone to death and then throw the leader under the foot of an elephant. Right. So the leader then says, no, 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 don't put me, give me a dagger and I will fight the elephant. So now he's curious. So he allows the leader of the thieves to go fight with the elephants and the the elephant kind of you know sort of flings him about right um but he keeps like you know going back and fighting the elephant and you know wounding in the elephant in uh, on the elephant's trunk right peter don't come to us we did not invent the story <laughs> just an aside so and, <laughs> Just, just mentioning it. Just, yes. Yeah, just being careful. <laughs> so anyway, so he gets, um, the thief leader actually goes after the elephant, shows to be very brave. Right. So Jahangir pardons him. Because and, he's impressed. Yeah. Right. And says, look, you know, you can stay here with me. <laughs> but what happens is that the thief has had enough. He doesn't want to live there. Like, you know, he's a prisoner still, right? Right. So he runs away. Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> so Jahangir gets mad. So here's what he says. Um, the... After a short time, quote, according to his evil nature and low disposition, he, the thief, mm. ran away in his longing for his own place and abode. Oh, okay. He, he was freedom. homesick. Yeah. Right, right. This annoyed me greatly and I ordered <laughs> the Jagirdars of that neighborhood oh. to hunt him up and apprehend him. <laughs> By chance, he was caught a second time and this time I ordered that ungrateful and unappreciative one to be hanged. Oh, <laughs> I mean, Jahangir is right. You know, he lets this... Oh, he's man, right. <laughs> I mean, Jahangir is letting this man live. You know, he could have... And there he goes and runs away to right, his village. Right, Death to him. <laughs> this very clear form of justice. You know, yeah. you can only run away. You can fool Jahangir once, but not, not twice. twice. No, yes. no. <laughs> so anyway, like the... this, But then the, the idea, the phrase chain of justice... Right. ...gets mentioned multiple times... Right. ...in, um, in his... Book. So... Report, yeah. Right. So chain of justice, again, he, you know, just like he's so proud of himself that, you know, he tells his men, heat up the water that the elephants used to take a bath in to the temperature of lukewarm milk. So similarly, you know, he's very proud of it. And similarly, he's very proud of the chain of justice that he sets up. And this is the justice. And again, he gives a description and I'll just take a short version of it. And what he says in that quote, I gave the fasting up of the chain of justice so that if those engaged in the administration of justice should delay or practice hypocrisy in the matter of those seeking justice, mm -hmm. the oppressed might come to this chain and shake it so that its noise might attract attention. And, you know, to, it, and, you know, again, 
opulence at its best, right? Because this chain of justice mm-hmm. is made of pure gold, yeah. right? 30 gars in length, containing 60 bells. I'm assuming that would make a lot of noise yeah. in the middle of the night if somebody goes and rings <laughs> and is reaching straight to the ears of Jahangir. Hopefully he's not intoxicated and drunk beyond words at this point, but he probably is if somebody does ring the bell in the middle of well, the night. Well, he's not going to come out. Right. He's one of I his mean, vases he, or something. Right, I don't know. right, right. Um, question. Yes. Is there a way I can get this bell so that I can wake up in the morning? Uh, well, mm-hmm. if 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 the, mm-hmm. if I were to ever get my hands on that bell, I would give it to yes. your four-year-old son, and I would make sure that he rings it near your that, ear. But that's the whole point. I need to wake up in the morning. Anyway, <laughs> no, we can talk. Okay, no, without digression. <laughs> okay, okay, without so, further digression. Right. The chain of justice is something is an example again of his sort of uh, focus on law and order. Mm-hmm. And um, and effectively, we can summarize that he was an effective administrator from these various things that he's been doing in his right. empire. Right. Um, he was also very harsh with punishment. Mm-hmm. Um, people are being impaled. So you have something interesting you found out about it. Yeah, but like that, that was from like, you know, not from Jahangiri. Right. Uh, right. But he, he, um, when, when his son Kusro, which is an interesting story in itself, and I'm going to try and make a blog post and put it up on masalahistory.com. So go check it out. Um, Kusro, his son, Jahangir's son was actually Akbar's favorite. And, uh, there is a lot of, um, Information that leads people to believe that Akbar wanted Khusro to succeed him, not Jahangir, because Jahangir was being a drunk. <laughs> um, and so... Um, and he was so, the fun guy. He was a fun party guy, man. Right. But like, in any case, Khusro revolted against Jahangir a year after Jahangir came to power. And Jahangir basically um, chased him. And in Jahangiri, the, uh, the autobiography, Jahangir gives a detailed report of how, where he stopped, what he did while chasing down Khusro all the way to um, Afghanistan. But, Kabul, was it? Yeah, Kabul. Mm. But, but, and then eventually captures Khusro. And... After that, mysteriously, there's no more mention of Khusro um, in, 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 in the Jahangiri. And we know that Khusro was later killed many, uh, uh, almost two decades later by Shah Jahan. His brother. Yes. Um, but the thing that I read said that Khusro's uh, followers were captured. Mm-hmm. And then Khusro and the cap- captured people were taken back to Delhi. And FYI, the- this is not for the faint of hearted. So just, yes. you know. Just yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we need to probably <laughs> say that. You know, not for the faint of hearted. Um, Please be sitting when you hear this. And also don't have children around. Khusro <laughs> um, is made to sit all decked up on a decked up elephant taken uh, to Chandni Chowk. Mm-hmm. Uh, made to walk across the narrow lane of Chandni Chowk. If you've been to Delhi, you know those lanes are narrow. And on either side of the street, all his followers who had revolted with him were kept with a knife to their neck. Oh, God. On race platforms. Oh, no. Or or maybe not race platforms. They were raised. Right. And then as he walked by on his elephant, they were killed. They were impaled on stakes. Each time he would take a step on the elephant, uh, someone would be killed. Uh-huh. And he was made to watch one by one all his followers die. Oh, wow. Um, and um, hear them cry for his help. Right. And he, all he could do was sit decked up like a prince on top of a 
completely caparisoned elephant. Right. Which is again symbolic. I mean, he's decked up, he's on Yeah, top. but it's also very psychological, right? right? Like, he you has know, no he's power. killed. Like, right, you know, he's right. being, every time one person dies, you know, he knows they're dying for him and because of him and mm-hmm. he has no power to stop it. Oh, like, you're nothing. That's the... That can really screw with your mind, I imagine. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's the, that's <laughs> the intention. Never try the stunt again. <laughs> no, right? no, no. Um, but he, uh, but um, he is uh, Jahangir's firstborn, and so Jahangir never kills him. Mm-hmm. And um, in fact, when he gets caught and he's captured, and they're still in Kabul, mm-hmm. they um, there's a place where Jahangir, forever the lover of nature and gardens and fruits, um, goes to Sharara Garden and says, "Oh my God, this is so beautiful." And then he, there's a particular moment when he says, "My fatherly affection took." over me mm. and so I made them bring Khusro in his chains mm. then I asked them to take off the chains from his legs so that he could walk barefoot in the garden and feel Aww. the soft grass right he just got him I know, know I know <laughs> but he's still showing some fatherly paternal affection yeah no there is know? definitely so there are multiple places where he mentions that my fatherly affection overcame me so right. you know there is a distinct reason why he did not kill Khusro because you know there is there is some there right he left it for his son to complete the job uh, yet yeah yet when his uh, favorite um, official went after Khusro mm-hmm. he said if you can't essentially said if you can't capture him mm-hmm. kill then him. kill him right right so um, there, you see that King versus the father yes. sort of you know the dichotomy right right um in that instance mm-hmm. but i want to also uh, spend the next few minutes talking about uh jahangir the man because that's where all the excitement is and can you talk about jahangir the man and not talk about alcohol <laughs> nope <laughs> exactly can you can you not talk about his addiction to opium and to alcohol nope. i mean there are instances where you and i have been reading we've been sitting next to each other and we've been reading and we've suddenly looked up and we've been like so here he just says in a most matter of fact way mm-hmm. that you know i i start drinking from the morning i've been mm-hmm. drinking since i was what is, doesn't he start drinking when he's about six 16 is it yeah i think he said no 19 i think he said 18 or 19 right he starts and he used to start drinking from the morning yeah and so so yeah and he starts drinking yellow wine i think he means white wine he likes a riesling right okay okay which is sweet tasting so it has to be riesling yeah right so so then he uh look at us (laughs) no riesling Riesling. it has to be riesling right (laughs) so so anyway he starts drinking Mm -hmm. uh yellow wine and he says at some point that um he uh basically drinks over 24 cups a day yes of three ounces each yes that's a lot of alcohol that's a lot of alcohol. and he drinks so much that you know wine stops giving him a high so then he moves to arrack <laughs> like spirits right and then he drinks that a lot. Mm-hmm. So then this he goes on for over a decade until Akbar's trusted advisor, um, I Abu think Abu Fasl, right. comes in and says, you know, you got to stop drinking. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, this is going south. You're not getting the throne. <laughs> Essentially, that's what I mean. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> Okay. But this is a fun way to paraphrase yeah, it, by but, the but way. that's right. what he meant. Like, right. you know, dude, stop drinking or you lose the throne to your son. <laughs> right. But, I mean, again, it's interesting that he is so addicted to wine himself. But if you look at his chain of justice, you know, he had about 12, uh, you know, 12 
uh, policies, state policies that he sets up. And one of them actually says that he, he, he is making it illegal to produce wine. Yeah, no, and, and he actually says, um, and this happens like multiple times over the course of his reign, or at least the first 12 years that we read, right. that he actually acknowledges it, that, you know, okay, I drink wine, but that is wrong. Right. You know, right. as a true good Muslim, you're not supposed to drink wine. And right. in fact, he actually... Um, calls out those men in his employ who don't drink wine. Right. So often he says, oh, this man is very courageous and brave and he never once tasted uh, wine in his life. Yes. And, you know, he's a devout Muslim man. Right. And so he, he there is, which is why I also love reading <laughs> Jahangir and I like, know. you know, talking about him because he is so sort of, he acknowledges his own weaknesses, weaknesses yes. in a certain way. Yes. Like, you know, he's like, I know I drink, right. but it's not good. Right. In fact, um, later on in, in his autobiography, he actually calls uh, Shah Jahan, mm-hmm. Khuram, mm-hmm. um, who is now 24 years old and he's married and has children mm-hmm. and he has never drank wine. Okay. Okay, Khuram is 24. He's never drank the wine. The good son. He, yeah. Right, the, right. Better discipline than the father. <laughs> right. And so he actually says to Khuram, mm-hmm. Baba, you have become the father of children and king's and kings and king's sons have mm-hmm. drunk wine. Mm-hmm. Today, which is the day that you're being weighed, so they have a ceremony where kings and princes are weighed, mm-hmm. he's like, I will give you wine to drink mm-hmm. and give you leave to drink it on feast days mm-hmm. and at the time of the new year mm-hmm. and at all great festivals, <laughs> but never else, okay? <laughs> and then he says, this is a guy who's a drunkard, okay? He's <laughs> drinking 24 cups a day. He's like, but you must observe the path of moderation for wise <laughs> men do not consider it right to drink to such an extent as to destroy the understanding. <laughs> and it is necessary that from the drinking only profit should be del- derived okay 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 and then he quotes uh buali who's mm-hmm. avicenna the mm-hmm. uh, philosopher right and he says wine is a raging enemy a prudent friend right a little is an antidote but much is a snake's poison oh good for us to know good for us but to know. so he's giving this advice to his son that right. you know don't drink wine right um but what he does is actually um say later that he gets so addicted that now he has to take a medicine to to get de-addicted. Right, or get right. Uh, so basically go to one of the addiction camps that we have in... Yeah, so he uses something called a filunia... Right. Um, to, uh, to, Stop. Take a, to to control his withdrawal symptoms, right. essentially. Right. But after some time, it seems like instead of uh, taking filunia, he starts taking opium. opium yeah. uh, to help with the addiction... Of which, the wine. Of the wine, yeah. which I'm sure the uh, it would help with you know him cutting down on drinking wine... But wouldn't help as much because then you're addicted to opium. But it depends on which one you want to be addicted to. But, yeah. you know, I mean, given, I mean, also given the fact that he used to drink as much as he used to drink, I mean, there were certain days he observed no drinking yes. and no eating meat. And yeah. again, this goes back to him having this kind of a reverence for his father because his father died, uh, was it a Sunday? Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. So Sunday was the one day he wouldn't eat meat. And, and he won't drink. He wouldn't. Wine. And no, I think that was on Thursday, the day he came on the throne. Right. Is the day he wouldn't eat meat and wouldn't drink wine. Sunday, he wouldn't drink wine. And Fridays, he wouldn't, he wouldn't drink. Uh, he wouldn't drink wine. And or eat meat. Or eat meat. Yes. So, you know, he, I mean, he obviously sounds like an alcoholic. And he's very open about the fact that, yes, I started drinking since the age I was up, uh, since I was 18. You know. 
well, there's some debate. You know, he said 15. Some people have been saying 18. So, right. You know, but some get, when in his teenage years. Right. But even when he's talking about the chain of justice and, you know, one of his 12 policies in the chain of justice was that, you know, I, I'm going to ban the, uh, the drinking of... I'm going to ban the drinking of wine. But then he says, but, you know, I've been drinking since I was 18 and I'm 38 and I have persisted in it. To yeah. use his words, I've persisted in it. Yeah. So, and he actually gives a record of how he um, stopped drinking. Right. Well, where he first said the Arak has to be diluted by the wine of the grape. Oh. And two parts wine and one part Arak. Oh. And then he diminished it every day, the quantity he took for seven years. Wow. And then he brought it down to six cups. Should we try this concoction over the holidays, you think? Um, no, let's try a concoction of eggnog. Okay, sure, why not? Yeah. Okay, so now I want to discuss a South Asian favorite, mm-hmm. mangoes. Yay! And which is something we miss living in Chicago, because you do not get good, good mangoes. And what, you get and the crap they call mangoes from Mexico. Exactly, which do not, do not compare to Indian mangoes. At all. And so as much as he was addicted to alcohol, I think he was just as addicted to mangoes. And generally fruits of all varieties. But mango (laughs) was his thing. Right, right. Um, So again, I think you were talking about uh, him having a fanboy moment with his uh, father when it came to mangoes. Yeah, so um, basically he keeps talking about um, all these different fruits and um, his father also seemed, Akbar also seemed to uh, love mangoes. Um, and so whenever, um, he, generally whenever he tastes a fruit that he hasn't tasted before, like melons from some uh, distant part of Central Asia or a pineapple that has just been imported from Europe, European, which used to be imported from European markets, but now is being cultivated in India. He says, oh, my revered father would have loved to taste it. <laughs> I mean, I'm very sad Aww. that, you know, he, didn't, he literally says, I'm sad that my revered father did not get to taste can you imagine yeah so fruit seems to have been something they had in common for (laughs) some reason because he keeps mentioning it and And didn't you also say he had like a hundred he used to eat 110 cherries yeah so yeah so he says he's in kabul this is right after khusro has been captured and you know is being brought back so they live in kabul for a while and there he's enjoying the sharara gardens and the orchards and hunting all the time and all that um, but like what happens is that um, he basically um, goes and um, finds these fruits that his officials give him mm-hmm. and then he eats. So he eats cherries and peaches and then he says, I eat 150 cherries a day. And wasn't he a big fan of pomegranates as well? Yeah, pomegranates as well. From Kabul. Right? Yeah. yeah. And then he yeah. says, then at the end he says, none of these fruits mash to the taste of the mangoes the of the Hindustan. Which is, which we agree, which we, agree. we both agree, we with. agree. Yes. So, uh, like, he was a true South Asian. I mean, people keep debating whether Mughals are actually Indian. This yes. is proof that, you know, at least Jahangir is Indian. Like, they you were know, very he Indian. He knows mangoes. So, you know, he was definitely Indian because he loved the right. love of mango is what South Asians have in common. Yes. So, you know, so, okay, so he's addicted, you know, alcohol, mangoes, but he also had, seems to have a keen uh, interest in mathematics, in the uh-huh. measuring of things. Yeah. Right? I he don't was, know about mathematics, but definitely the measuring of right, things. Right, yeah. right. So, I mean, he was interested in measuring the depth of uh, water Pools. bodies. Yes. Okay, okay. Let's um, talk about that. Yeah, no, so he, he liked, um, he would 
would look at pools and say, oh, this is so clear. How deep is it? Right. And then at one time he says, throw a pebble in. Okay. And then if you can see the pebble at the bottom, then, you know, it's... It's not that it's deep. It's not that deep, right? right? He used and to like dunking things in the water. Yeah, like, you know, uh, once he wanted to see how deep things were, so he threw in a, he asked them to throw in a sheep. Oh my God. And then the sheep <laughs> swam away. <laughs> and then threw in a cow. And then crossed somewhere. So he's like, that's not that deep. <laughs> right. So he was always calculating width of, uh, width and depth of rivers, of uh, cave entrances. Cave, right, right. The, the length of the cave mm-hmm. entrance, the depth of the cave mm-hmm. entrance. And then him being the alcoholic that he is, and he made them pour wine into one of the crevices of the cave, right? Yeah, to, to drink him and his servants could enjoy wine that right. way from like a large... Um, you know, p- uh, crater. Yes, uh, yes, on the rock. Yes, yes. So um, on the rocks. There you go. Yeah. Pun intended. Right. right. Oh, all <laughs> right. Good, good one. Yeah. Um, one other thing that he was really interested in was hunting. Hunting. So then, um, every uh, few days he mm-hmm. would go on a hunt if he was traveling, mm-hmm. and uh, they would keep hunting a lot of uh, different kinds of animals, mainly antelopes and deers and tigers, uh, uh, wild asses, sometimes tigers, right. but not often. Uh, one thing that we noticed as we read was that you know if if it was the royal hunting, like you know shikar as fun, mm-hmm. it was a bow and arrow, right. But if it was... Uh, With a target in mind. Yeah, if, to, if, to kill a man-eating tiger, then it's a gun that right, they use. Right, right. And then again, it shows his curiosity of mind where, and he was, and he was always against the idea of killing the female, uh-huh, right? Yes. But he had no problems killing the men, shows a little bit of misogynistic attitude, but that's okay. Yeah. Uh, but he, one time he does end up killing a lioness, right? Yeah. And what, do, how, and doesn't he come up with a weird explanation? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, um, he says, uh, open up the intestines mm-hmm. and, um, he says, oh, in this lion, the liver was inside not outside the the, bowel. the bubbles okay. or, or the the stomach line yes something like if, the stom- i mean if any one of you who's listening to this is a biology student please forgive us we're yeah, not we, uh, you you tell us you know leave a comment <laughs> at masalahistory.com or on our twitter page mm-hmm. at masalahistory mm-hmm. or on our facebook page or uh, Instagram. Or Instagram. We are masala underscore history on Instagram. And you can leave us a comment anywhere over there. Um, and, and we will correct it, we promise. <laughs> and we'll at least leave a footnote saying, you know, we are wrong here. But like the liver is supposed to be outside the stomach. And uh, <laughs> we did very bad in biology. We might Clearly. Be <laughs> and um, the... In the lion, the liver is inside. Right. And so he's like, maybe that's why the lions are so brave. So he's he has a very curious yeah, mind, very, very right? very curious, yeah. And then it's not just about him hunting. And this is a good segue to move on to his other favorite thing in the world, which is Noor Jahan, which yeah, is Meru his, Nisa, yeah, right? His wife. Yes, his wife. So The last of his wives, I think. The last, yes. The last one he marries and he's hopelessly in love with her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, eventually, as if any one of you is a... His, you know, is interested in history, you will know that Nujan almost becomes the unofficial empress of the Mughal Empire. Empire. And again, you know, he, and he, again, in Jahangiri, Jahangiri, he talks about this instance of where he takes Nujan hunting, right? Uh And, And so he talks about, you know, the huntsman had marked down four tigers 
uh, when two watches and three gharis and passed, and I went out to hunt with the ladies. When the tigers came in sight, Nur Jahan Begum submitted that if I would order her, she herself would kill the tigers with her gun, and he allows her to do it. She shot two tigers with one shot each and knocked over the other uh, with uh, two others with four shots. She sounds like a badass. She is a badass. And he is an author. He's completely in awe. <laughs> Sorry if I snorted and you guys heard it. She um, has a cold. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I did snort. Um, so, yeah. So, the, Noor Jahan is so thrilling as a, as a real historical uh, figure. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, she's the only one who's actually mentioned amongst his wife, except for Kusro's mother. And he mentions Kusro's mother to say that, you know, oh, he, she's, she became mad. And then she committed suicide <laughs> right. thinking her son has gone bad. So, you know, right. that's the only other time in the entire set that we read mm-hmm. that we there was a mention of a wife. Right, right. That she would, he would mention ladies of the harem, mm-hmm. but not any wife specifically right. unless she's given birth to a son right um, but and if you are more interested in finding out about Noor Jahan and other Mughal women there's a podcast coming in January, in January yes, yes. yes. We're, we're doing 2019 with Women Power yes yeah. Women Power and we have a, 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 a you know an expert guest coming in to yes. talk yes we yes. have Maggie Schuster who's uh, who works with Mughal uh, women patronage um, in uh, in the 17th century and 16th century. So, you know, very excited to have her on. Right. Um, and if so, you want to stay tuned, mm-hmm. subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to us. And then, you know, you can actually hear more from us. Um, so, and, again, going back to the topic of Noor Jahan is, you know, she is his confidant. And even for somebody, you know, emperor of the 17th century, you know, hyper-masculine emperor, uh, someone, you know, who wears his masculinity on his sleeve, it's all about showing bravery and chivalry and generosity um, all of that you know all of that even put together it's when it comes to Noor Jahan it she still remains like his closest confidant you know uh, and she's the, and you know she he's she's the one he turns to mm-hmm. when they you know when it's when it's needed advice and you know again this instance shows the tenderness between the two when he talks about this instance where he falls sick but he doesn't uh-huh. want his empire to know because he thinks his empire is going to fall apart the entire empire will apparently fall apart if they find out that he's sick probably so, one of his sons will try to take him that is probably true correct yeah. i didn't think of that and then what he does is he doesn't tell anyone except nur jahan and nur jahan brings him back mm-hmm. nurses him back to health with the with two other hakims or you know medicine men uh, all by themselves because mm-hmm. he doesn't want a fourth person to know. Yeah. So this is again another interesting facet to his personality that he allows this woman, one of his many wives, to be as close to him as he does with Noor Jahan, right? Yeah. So um, um, that is that is like you know interesting um, that she is the only woman he mentions um, that that he's that that is a partner to him mm-hmm. he does mention his mother sometimes mm-hmm. but in passing but it's only noor jahan who's been given like a special treatment right and considering that this the thing the jahangiri volume 1 is only the first 12 years mm-hmm. of his autobiography mm-hmm. um and noor jahan he married in 1611 mm-hmm. so that's like you know about um 7 years into or, the or 5 years into- 6 years since into the first volume yeah right right there's a considerable amount of about her in the last couple of chapters right um and you only see Khuram Shah Jahan mentioned as much Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. as far as like one character goes right right right. so um 
so you, in this in this volume you see like you know different angles or aspects of the character of Jahangir his um, love for mangoes his uh, fanboying of his, of, father. of his father his um, sort of passion for Noor Jahan or like mm-hmm. you know his admiration for mm-hmm. Noor Jahan mm-hmm. and that you know he really thinks well of his son Khurram right and even towards the end of this this particular volume not even the next one like you see that he somehow decided on Khurram as a successor right you right. can almost feel that mm-hmm. in the way you know Shah Jahan is being portrayed um, and he treats Shah Jahan yeah right. the, that way right so um Health the Shah Jahan was also Akbar's favorite. So, you know, his right. fanboying on Akbar and Kuram being Akbar's favorite. The legacy has, continues. Yeah, it has right. something right. to do with that. Um, yeah, as an end note, I have to say, I I never knew if I could ever have a favorite Mughal emperor. But now I think I'm leaning towards... Really? Yes. Oh, my what God. What about you? I think I'm leaning towards Jahangir. Really? Yeah. Yeah, overall, the personality is very entertaining. Yeah, this the, is the kind of man you would want to be sitting across from and you. having a drink of vino with him. <laughs> right, yes, right. yeah, no, I, sharing some kebabs. Yeah, you know, and just what do you think? I, I do want to party with Jahangir for sure. <laughs> like you know, um, I wish I was Thomas Rowe, uh, which is a topic for another podcast. Yeah. You know, the British uh, East India Company man Thomas Rowe in the court of Jahangir. Mm-hmm. Um, leave us a comment if you want to hear about him. Um, and but leave think, us comments but I fanboy or fangirl on Akbar a lot so, really so like you know I don't know if I want to give that up it's okay okay we, we can we, we, we can decide we, we can, dis- can we can disagree. agree to disagree right there you go right so um, that's all about Jahangir uh, for, for today. today and uh, what we had what we heard or read from Tuzuk e Jahangiri. Um, if you like this podcast, please, please, please tell your friends. We are called Masala History Podcast. Mm-hmm. We are available um, at our website, www.masalahistory.com. Mm-hmm. That is Masala history.com mm-hmm. And we are also available on iTunes right now and through Woohoo! <laughs> Uh, I like the wooing. Um, and uh, you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram. Um, we are not on Snapchat. We're too old for Snapchat. We are. Yeah. I think I'm. I'm I think I'm You're too old for, for Instagram anyway. <laughs> Insta is fun. Let's okay. do Instagram. So okay. So here's uh, us signing off. Until next time, please keep. Uh, Please subscribe so that you know when the next podcast comes out. Uh, The next one is going to be as interesting, I promise you. Uh, So until then, it's bye from us here at Masala History. Thank you for listening. Bye.